Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Genesis chapter 12 verses 1. Common story I believe many of you or some of us know here. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 12, he says, Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. Full colon. And I will make thee a great nation. And I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Praise God. Full colon. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee, and in thee shall all families be blessed. Full stop. The Bible says, so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. Somebody say, Amen. Now, chapter 12, Genesis, from verse 1, the Lord speaks up to verse 3 and there's a full stop or a period there. Between Chapter verse 1, verses 2, into verses 3, we see full columns. And this would read like, Now the Lord said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, and from the father's house, and to a land that I will show thee. Full column. And because you have obeyed that principle, full column means, the next is a result of that. Okay? It says, and I will make of thee a great nation. Right? And I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. Again, he puts a full colon. And because of that also, if I will bless everyone who blesses you and he that curses you, I will curse. Why? In other words, he says, I will bless who blesses you, curse who curses you because you are blessed by me because you are a great nation, because your name is great and you are a blessing. And you're all of this because you have left your father's country from thy kindred, from thy father's house, and to a land I will show thee. Somebody shout hallelujah. That means, Abram, there's a condition for his blessing. There's a condition to make him a great nation. There's a condition to make his name great. There's a condition to be made rich and wealthy. There's a condition 
for him to be a blessing. There is a condition for greatness to come upon him. The condition is, leave your father's house, your land, your kindred, and go to a place I will show thee. Are you hearing me? So it's the place that he shows this man that releases him into the blessing, that releases him into the grace to plunder and, and overcome nations and rule with greatness and be given a name. And it's because of that that if anybody blesses Abraham, the Lord will bless that man. And if anybody curses Abraham, the Lord will curse that man. Why? Because he is blessed by God. You can't curse whom the Lord has blessed. Praise God. Balaam told Barak, right? You cannot curse whom the Lord has blessed. You cannot curse whom the Lord has blessed. Unless the Lord has not blessed them. Or unless you are indifferent to the blessing of God. Unless you don't understand how the Lord blesses. But you cannot curse whom the Lord has blessed. Because the Bible says the Lord will curse you. <laughs> you can only bless who the Lord has blessed. And the Lord will bless you. Somebody shout hallelujah. Why? Because... When you see a seed of greatness on a man, on a woman, when you see a man whose name is great, when you see a man who is a blessing, a giver, right? You don't curse them. You bless them. Praise God. Because there is enough to keep them from your words. Praise God. Somebody shout hallelujah. But what I came to share tonight has a lot to do with that the blessing on Abraham to become a great nation for his name to be great for him to become a blessing all of this begins when he has to go to a land that the Lord will show him how many of you understand that fast forward to Genesis 13 the next chapter he goes through. He gets into Canaan. I have a someone there. I, I, I will remember the name probably. About this. How far do you see, right? But I want to go deeper into this thing called vision. In, verse 13, in chapter 13, verses 8. Fast forward. Abraham is in the place of promise. How many of you know that he was Canaan? And the Greek Hebrew word for Canaan is lowly land. A land that is sort of disasperated, disadvantaged. And God shows him there. Are you hearing me? And the Bible says, in verses 8, while the success and blessing has come on him and Lot, the Bible says uh, the, the, the servants of Lot started to fight the servants of, 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 of Abraham. The land was not able to hold them. The land was not able to feed their animals. Can you imagine that? Having too many animals for the land to feed. And for space. It happens in our time in Jesus name. Where the land will not be able to bear us. Selah. Think about it. Where the land cannot be able to bear you. The economy says no you are richer than the nation. 
Praise God. Your ministry is bigger than our population. Somebody shout hallelujah. Put your hand on your head and say the land shall not be able to bear the blessing of God upon my life. Say amen. That statement is deep. I don't know whether you received it or you just said it, but that statement is deep. I feel the people in the overflow are understanding it more. Put your hand again on your head and say in the name of Jesus. The land shall not be able to hold the blessing of God upon my life. I shall be blessed more than my habitation in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. For a moment you think that a man gets to a level where the land could not hold him. The land could not be able to bear them. So in verses uh, 8, the 13th chapter of Genesis, Abraham said to Lord, let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my headmen and thy headmen, for we be brethren. Is it not the whole land before thee? He says, separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou wilt depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And the Bible says, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord like the land of Egypt as thou comest unto Zohar. And Lord chose him all the plain of Jordan. And Lord journeyed east and they separated themselves the one from the other. And the Bible says, And Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan. And Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent towards Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. The Lord said unto Abraham, after that Lot had separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. From, for all the land which thou seest to thee, I will give it and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the sun of the earth, they shall stand, thy shall, then shall thy seed also be numbered. He told him, Arise, after telling him to see. And walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it, for I will give it to you. Later you realize in the chapters, it's the very reason why the man becomes the father of the whole earth. Because when the Lord gave him, he walked northward to the end of the earth, southward to the end of the earth, eastward to the end of the earth, westward to the ends of the earth. There was no practical way Abraham could walk everywhere. But he walked there in the spirit. Somebody shout hallelujah. I have a sermon on that. Get it. It is key. So Canaan was the place of sight. I have a sermon there. Canaan was a place of sight. That was his true inheritance. God took him from whence to see. Who understands what I'm saying? God tells him, I'm going to give you an inheritance. Your name is going to be great. You're going to be great. You're going to be everything. But you see, 
He takes him to Canaan. And when he gets to Canaan, God tells him, look. This was a lowly land. What appeared to be his inheritance was not actually his inheritance. It was from where he would see. Who has understood what I just said? We are not in Kampala to, for just to have a wonderful ministry. No. We are in Uganda simply from where to see. You're not at your workplace to earn 600,000 shillings a month. No. You're at your workplace because you're there from where to see. You're not on that job or in that agricultural farm earning a few millions every month and thinking that that's the preservation of your posterity and the portion of your inheritance. No. It is from where you see. Somebody shout hallelujah. Our father walked through the whole earth. The exalted one. He looked through the whole earth. And in the next chapters later, the Lord tells him, from today you're not Abraham, but you're Abraham. Why? Because when I told you to see, you walked the whole earth. Somebody shout hallelujah. But here's the mystery. The mystery begins from when you read from verses 10, Genesis 13 and verses 10. The Bible says, and Lord lifted up his the Lord lifted up his eyes somebody shout hallelujah and if you go to verse 14 the Lord said unto Abraham after Lot was separated from him lift up now thine eyes look from whence you are the, Greek, the Hebrew word there is advance your sight. Are you hearing me? When Lot advanced his sight, when Lot elevated his sight, when Lot lifted up his sight, he looked at the possibility of physical provision. Who is understand what I'm saying? He looked at the possibility of physical appearance. He looked at the possibilities of the explainable physical. He looked at the possibilities of the things that look like they are the obvious and immediate answer because Lord thought that if his animals needs to feed, all he needs is green pasture. You understand what I'm saying? I'm trying to get you in the thought that before we get to this Canaan from where we see, God wants to teach you, to show you how to see. Oh, you didn't get it. Go to a land I will show you. He gets him through the land and the Lord makes him to see. So God shows him how to see. The land from where Abraham sees, God showed him. Go to a land that I will show thee. 
If you say it, I will bless you. Because it's one thing to get there and you don't see it. And you bypass it. Are you hearing me? It's one thing to get there and you're not where he wants you to be. But it's telling him, go to the land, I will show you. When you reach there, you see it. And when you see it from there again, I show you. I tell you, lift up your eyes. Advance your sight. Yield. In fact, the other word for advancing, for, for the same Hebrew word for lift up is advance. Also yield. Yield up your eyes. Because it's, you see, some people don't, think, don't know that Lot had vision. Lot got vision. He did not simply imagine. He lifted up his sight. And then he saw the fertile plains of Jordan. He saw it. He imagined them. He knew they existed. Then he said, I see them in the spirit. And he says, I choose those ones. Why? Because like many people, we do not know how to see. When the Lord stays with Abraham, he tells him, now you, since you're with me here, yield your vision to me again. Advance it a bit and I show you what, you, what a man was supposed to see. Lot is looking at Jordan. Lot is looking at Jordan. I don't want to show him Jordan. I want to show him the world. Who is understanding what I'm saying? A man must learn to know how to see. It's one thing for you to see. It's another for you to know how to see. In Corinthians chapter 1 and verses 26, he says, brethren, see our calling. See your calling. And then he says, how that, you see? See your calling. Okay, you see your calling. You're, 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 you're 26. You see your calling, right? You are a prophet, you're a teacher, you're an evangelist, you're a healer, you're, 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 you're a gossiper, you're a slut. No. That's not a calling. He says, Brethren, for you see your calling. What is your calling? I'm a pastor. You're a teacher. Whoever you are. You've seen it. You're called. Right? And then God sharpens this sight and he says, go in the house of how to see it. Go into the deeper details of advancing into the knowledge of this calling. And then you will see that not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty, no many noble are called. God is addressing an issue of calling. And he's saying they are pastors, teachers. Everybody's called in their own calling. But you see, if you get in the how to see, you realize that when I was calling people, not many were noble, not many were mighty, and not many were wise after the flesh. This is the how of that calling. Yes, the calling is there, but how do I call men? When I'm calling men, I don't look at the wisest. When I'm calling men, I don't look at the noblest. When I'm calling men, I don't look at how mighty they are, how educated they are, how connected they are, who they know and who they don't know. I call a man because of what I have, purpose, the, the mind that I have pertaining the world. But you see, you see that because God went beyond the calling you see to how you should see it. You see the ministry upon your life. 
but how do you see it? You see the marriage, but how do you see it? You see the job, but how do you see it? You see the healing, but how do you see it? You, you see, you, your eyes are lifted to see, but how do you see? Why does the writer say, and Lord chose him the plain of Jordan, and he journeyed east? Why did he, why did he, why, why does he journey east? Why does the writer say, where Sodom and Gomorrah was because he pinched his tail towards Sodom and Gomorrah. The writer is trying to tell you if Lot knew he would not have gone that direction even though it looked like it was the most obvious. Even though it looked like it was the most beautiful. Even if it looked like it, it had all the physical attributes to explain opportunity. It was well watered everywhere. That's true. Before it was destroyed. It takes the mind of the spirit. To see the end. Of this vision. Who is understanding what I'm saying? It takes the mind of the spirit. Oh my daughter. When you're marrying. Look for a man who has money. Oh God. Before Sodom and Gomorrah. He's destroyed. And this young man came to you and you said, no, no, no. You're too poor to be my husband. Ah. I don't call them wise. I don't call them noble. I don't call them mighty. But I call them. And there's somebody who refused the right person. And they went for a guy driving a I'm going to say something very controversial, but it's true. It's like I have never failed. You know, there's some they call cargo cult. Have, have, has anybody heard of some called cargo cult? Cargo cult is the mindset that some people have that everything foreign is good and better than anything local. <laughs> and then they say, we are independent. Uganda is independent. Some of you, you're not. Bu 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 by Uganda, build Uganda. <laughs> Praise God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Anyway, that's that's for my nation. What was in the eyes lifted in Lot? What was Lot seeing? And how many people in that position would not have taken Lot's way or vision? You see, it's easy for you to judge him because we are writing about him. Many people would choose the watered place. Why? Because they need to save their animals. But the Bible says, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Before he destroyed it. And the writer here could have left it out, but he insisted to put it. He chose the most beautiful place before the Lord destroyed 
Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible says, and Lot pitched his tent in the direction of what? Gomorrah and Sodom. And the Lord destroyed the same place. The men were wicked. Right? But Lot did not see the wickedness of those men. Lot saw the well-watered plains of Jordan. And he said, I think this is where I should choose. He thought he was smart. But there are many times, ladies and gentlemen, where we choose the well-watered plains of Jordan. Where every time we advance our sight, it never goes beyond the physical opportunity. The things that seem like they're easier, the shortcut and the easier way, looks easier. Are you hearing me? God doesn't simply want to show you or make you see. He wants to show you how to see. How to see. How to see. If Lot had a certain understanding in God, he would not have chosen Jordan. He had an opportunity to lift up his eyes. And why? Because where they were at, the Lord was. Remember, it was the anointing of association. He was with Abraham. God had a relationship with Abraham, right? Lot was there. That's why the Bible says the Lord stayed with Abraham. That means if Abraham, if Lot had stayed where Abraham is, and he chose to yield his spirit to the God of Abraham. You see, that's the thing I never understand. When God was calling Abraham, he didn't call Lot. He told Lot that I'm going to, he didn't tell Abraham, I mean Lot anything. He told Abraham, you leave your father, your only kindred, your own kindred, your, your home and your land and go to a place that I will show thee and I will bless thee. I will make your name great. I will multiply thee and you shall be a blessing. Lot comes and attaches himself to a man God had spoken to. Are you hearing me? He attaches himself to a man God that what? He understood the anointing of association. Somebody said hallelujah. And in Genesis 13 verse 2, the Bible says, And Abraham was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south even to Bethel, the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai. Verse 5, And Lot also, comma, which went with Abram, had flocks, herds, and tents. So, why, why, why is Lot blessed? Answer me. Answer me. Why is, why, why is Lot blessed? Lot is blessed because he went and attached himself to a man who was blessed. A blessed man like Abraham coming to you, Lord, telling you, choose where to go. Oh, come on. I got rich by your God. I was blessed by your God. I multiplied by your God. You tell me where to go. That is how I lift my eyes. That's how I advance my eyes. That is how I, 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 I yield my sight. Lord. 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 Abraham choose. You choose where I should go. Because you see, when you prospered, I prospered. 
If you fail, I fail. If the land is not able to, to bear us, I yield my sight. I lift it up enough to where you see, oh God, you can accord me a place because that same God has worked by you to prosper me. Lord. The Lord grew so rich. His wealth deceived him. What did he do? He cut off from this man. And the Bible says, and the Lord stayed with Abraham. Somebody shout, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. When Lot was separated from him, the Bible says the Lord said to Abraham. That means he said, Lot, go. <laughs> because me, I didn't talk to you. I didn't call you. When I was calling, did I mention Lot? No. You came by the man's association. Go enjoy your fertile plains. Now, boss, look from where you are. The missing piece in this jigsaw is that many people don't know that God had to show Abraham how to see before he yielded or lifted his eyes to see. Before he advanced his sight or lifted his up, up his eyes to see. God literally had to help Abraham to see the right way. You see, that is the relationship we share with God. To show you the house, that is what they call land. When the Bible says that the Lord has given me the tongue of the land, do you realize it says to know how to speak? Not what to speak. It's the house. He says the Lord has given me the tongue of the land that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. And he worketh morning by morning and he worketh my ears to hear us the land. Where am I land? Because I know the how of hearing. I hear like a land man. And therefore when I'm teaching the gospel, I don't simply tell men what to do. I teach them how to do it. When you're doing business, you don't simply do business. You know how to do it. When you know the house, even when things go wrong, you still know how to rebuild. You don't build by chance. You don't build by luck. You don't build by, by advantage and taking advantage and, and, and misinterpreting and misrepresenting and falsely accusing and putting down the other for you to get up because you know how. When you don't know how, you become insecure by the success of everybody. Let me tell you, when a man is of the spirit, he bloweth where he listeth. You know that. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 2 verses 4. I want to bring a certain thought to you before I go deep a bit and then finish. Hebrews chapter 2 verses 4. Now let's begin from verses 5. Let me give you a certain thought in how to see. The Bible says, for unto the angels has he not put in subjection the world to come whereof we speak. Right? The angelics are not in charge of the world to come. Who has been, who, to whom has the world been put into subjection? You're following me? Now the next verse says, but one in a sudden place testified saying, what is man that thou art mindful of him or that son of man that thou visitest him? 
Are you following me? And the Bible says, Thou made him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownedest him with glory and honor and did set him over the works of thy hand. Thou put all things, listen, in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all things, listen, in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see it, not all things under him. He put everything in subjection under man. But now we don't see all things in subjection under man. But we see Jesus, the Bible says, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned him with glory and honor that he may by the grace of God should test death for everybody. What is he saying? He's saying, you see, he put everything in subjection to man. He didn't give anything to the world subject to angels. I mean, anything subject to, submitted to the angelics. Everything is submitted to man. He gave man dominion, isn't it? And he says, but the reality is we don't see all things subject to man. Are you hearing me? Yes, God has said gold and silver yours. But the reality of many believers is we don't all see money and financial breakthrough physically. Yet the reality exists. The glory exists. Are you hearing me? And now Paul says, you see, if we don't see that reality, we see Jesus. We see Jesus. And we see that he's made a little lower than angels. Are you hearing me? And he is crowned with glory and honor. And that he, by the grace of God, should test death for every man. Let me explain that. He put everything in subjection to us. You know that. Adam and Eve fall from that estate. And man lives into a fallen world. Some people don't understand that when he subjected all things to man and man fell, it didn't mean that those things gained freedom from man. No. Creation was still held in captivity of man. Creation, the creature, the Bible says, was subjected. Are you hearing me? When man was put under judgment, even the creature was subjected to corruption. That's why mosquitoes put malaria in your blood. God forbid. The one I'm talking about didn't come. Are you hearing me? So there is decimation, there is demise, there is destruction of things under the earth because they are submitted to the natural law of death that befell Adam and Eve. If you go back to the garden story, there is no proof that anything died. They didn't need to wait for rain. Uh -uh. The Bible says water came from the underground to water everything living. If you go in the Adam and Eve story, there was never a part in that story where you had death before the fall of man. When man falls, everything is subjected sort of to a certain nature of death. Because man fell from his estate, that means that God changed the law of things subject to the man. Jesus comes to suffer the death of all men. Why does he suffer the death of all men? That he will carry that Adamic nature and sin, nail it to the cross. Are you hearing me? You receive a new life, a new identity. If a man is born again, he's a new creation in Christ. For behold, all old is past and now the new, and all 
things are of God. When we see Jesus, we are sure that if there's anything in life that is not yet physically subject to you, even though it is spiritually subjected to you, if there's any apocalypsis that is not yet funeraled, if there's any unveiled but not yet manifested in the earthly realm, see Jesus. Look unto him the author and the finisher of your faith. He's the guarantee that everything that is subject to you will come to its manifestation and everything will appear subject. Now, when he says we see Jesus, the question is how do we see Jesus? Why does he give us the solution? He says, see, if you're in a situation where you know that the blessing of God is upon you, but you don't see that manifestation, see Jesus. But how do you see Jesus? Because it's the only way he becomes the word. He is the word. He becomes flesh. He dwells among men. They behold his only glory as the only true son of God. Full of grace and truth. That is the person of Jesus. He is that word. And the Bible tells you, through that word, we know that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God concerning our lives. And the perfect will of God concerning our lives is the reconciliation of his original plan in how you should live on earth and in heaven. Contrary to what is happening and how that can be shifted that you'll have the reality of what he has ordained for you in his image and likeness. You see, the Bible says he made them, he created them in his image, a icon, icon and likeness. It's, you don't just look, you don't just, you're not just in the image, you are like. Some people confuse image with likeness. God separated it. And he says he created them, male and female, created he them in his image and likeness. Image and likeness. Likeness are the attributes of character after the nature. Ooh. You see, you don't just laugh like God. You heal like God. <laughs> When cancer enters a believer, it's supposed to respond to that believer the way it would respond to God. Because the believer is like God. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. Who understands what I'm saying? So, diagnosis cannot beat epignosis. That's what man found. But you existed before man found it. You live and outlive the doctor. <laughs> Who is understanding what I'm saying? It's not 
that we don't see Jesus. But how do we see Jesus? How do we see Jesus? How many have understood that transition from his death into life? And what it means to ascend and purchase eternal salvation for you and I. How many understand the new creation reality? The new creation to understand what God has done in Christ. Get to the end of this communication. He says, whether Paul or Apollos. Now he's talking about the revelation of the plant and the water. And he says, whether things to come or things that have passed, things present and things to come. He says, all are yours. And the Bible says, and you are Christ's and Christ is God's. Let me help you understand this. If the Bible says, you see Jesus from that perspective. You belong to Christ. Christ belongs to God. And because Christ belongs to God, you belong to Christ. All things are yours. Because in him all things consist. They carry their own form, nature, and identity. Description and character. Are you hearing me? Now in him... All things consist. It pleased the Father that in him all the fullness of God should dwell bodily. Christ belongs to God. Because, okay, let me begin from here. Because God who owns everything owns Christ. Christ owns all things. And because Christ who owns all things from God the Father owns you. He tells you, oh, adios. Now, let's go in the reconciliation of the sovereignty of God in the liberties of the spirit. Because some people rob themselves of the liberties of the spirit because of the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God is to the intent that he releases you into the liberties of the spirit. Every release of an animal, Jesus said, from whoever, who does not release his animal, the Bible says, and taketh it not to the water. The principle of every deliverance is that the man will go to the water. But the man is not told how much to drink. Some drink little. Some drink a lot. Some refuse to drink. We cannot be equal. Oh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Why? He leadeth me. When he starts to talk about leading you to water, green pastures, he's telling you, eat all you want. Drink all you want. That you shall not want. He didn't say you will not want. He said you shall. Shall is different from will. Will is your individual choice. Shall is there is a command way bigger than even your choice. That even if you choose to say, 
I am, I'm choosing to want. You shall not want. That's why he's asking the Pharisees. Who of you, having released his animal, leadeth it not to the water? Think for a moment. The sovereignty of God. God only leads you to the water for the liberties to provide for everything you desire because the transition of release into the waters there is a character that kills the last of the very things that every drink is a purpose every drink is an ordination okay let's go a bit deeper he says the spirit shall come upon you and you shall prophesy. And he says, and now shall be turned into another man. And he says, and whatever occasion serves you. Where is the sovereignty of God here? And that man gets in where the occasion serves. And he says, you know, we, we need to know what the will of God is. It might be the will of God for me to go. It might not be the will of God for me. Oh, 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 oh. How do you see Jesus? The Bible says, he has made known unto us the mystery of his will. We are not of them that gain ambiguity in the place of liberty. We cannot be unclear in our places of liberty. I, 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 I have an action from on high. I know all things. But you, you preach very complicated things. But your spirit is understanding. Don't worry if your mind doesn't. Your spirit is understanding everything. Ah, I wish I had time. Can I continue? Listen. He has said. Whether Apollos. Or Paul. That means go to the end of Paul's revelation. And own it before you understand it. Go to the end of Paul's, Apollos' revelation. Own it before you understand it. Go to the end of Cephas, Peter. Own his revelation before you understand it. You know why many preachers struggle with the spirit of revelation? They are detached from the very thing they want to flow into. I own Paul's revelation. I own Peter's revelation. I own Cephas. He's in my spirit. The end of everything he spoke, even if my mind had not yet articulated, I carry the faith for the grace to proceed in my spirit to articulate even deeper than Paul or Cephas could have articulated in the flesh. Because I understand the transitional experience of from glory to glory to glory. Paul was foundation. He wasn't the building. Paul was the foundation. He wasn't the structure of the building. And some people are still trying to understand what they have to own and build upon. 
And that experience that reconciles us by faith sort of is the scribe that has been instructed in the kingdom. For out of that scribe, the Bible says, floweth both new and old. You're, we are not in the learning. We are learned. I'm not boasting. I'm telling you the truth. You say amen. It's yours. The oldest revelation in scripture is in your spirit. The newest stuff is in your spirit. How do I know? It's in there. Some of you think that because your brain doesn't have it, it's not there. Oh! How do you see Jesus? May Christ dwell in your hearts by faith that you're being rooted and grounded in him. Might know. See Jesus. Does it dwell in you, in your mind, by science? Does it dwell in your mind, by chemistry? No. He dwells in your faith, in your heart, by faith, by your faith. Hey, amplified. Give me the amplified of that version. He says that may Christ, through your faith, actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home. Let me explain what, I, what does that mean. According to your faith, Christ can leave you. So I don't blame people who say, Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Their faith alienates them. May Christ through your faith abide, dwell, settle down, make his home permanently in your hearts. What does that mean? If you believe Christ will never leave you, Your faith, through your faith, he will never leave you. Christ is as settled as your faith settles him. He's grounded in you. He abides in you as your faith abides in him. So when we're growing up, the old spirituals used to say, if you sin, he will leave you. So you start keeping Jesus like a bag. In case anything happens, you'll... You lose Jesus and man the devil would whoop them. Because even though spiritually they still carry the testimony of salvation. They have affected the law that affects the working life of Christ. So that mean he leaves them. It only means they make his power inoperative. Now let's go a bit deeper. When he says, or oh, whether Christ, whether Apollos or Paul or Cephas, and he says, all the world, all life, all death, all things present, all things to come. Now, when he says present and things to come, it means that the eternal spirit of you, the regenerated person in Christ, has a big say in the time series of us. He has told you even the things to come are yours. That means in this sovereignty he has given you the liberty to define the things to come that are yours. In future, 10 years to come, divine health is mine. 
in the next 30 years, increase and multiplication is mine. In the next 60 years, it's mine. In the next 100 years, it's mine. You can even stretch your faith and say, until Christ comes back. It is mine. When you understand that, you don't wake up and ask God, what's your will for me today? You wake up in the glory of that joy that you own the future. This is how I know that Fanero can't fail. This is how I know that your ministry can't fail. This is how I know that your children can't fail. Yes, we don't see it yet, but we see Jesus. And I realized that the sovereignty of God is to the intent that a man will flow in the liberties of the spirit. So he tells a man, when the spirit, the water, eh, the water comes upon you, he says, do as occasion serves you. Because in the time where I've given you the fullest rights of my liberties, I have dealt with your indifference of lust. You cannot enter that reality with carnality. You can't enter that reality when you have a fleshly mindset. But now we are debating the sovereignty of God and the liberties of the spirit. Doubting our fleshly nature which is right. But then assuming that because our fleshly nature is not able, therefore our spirits do not carry the blessing, the eternal blessing of that liberty. Oh, and I know why. Because you live by the flesh. You live in the flesh. You will surely die. But if you buy the spirit, kill the transactions of the body, you shall live. God wants to take us to the intent of the reality of the freedom that is in Christ. Where occasion will serve us. Things to come will serve us. That is how we see Jesus. That's what he's trying to tell Abraham. I want to show you the place and from that place show you your destiny. I want to show you how to see. How to see. You're talking of men where he would, he would tell Jeremiah, what do you see? And he see, I see a boiling pot facing the north. That's what he's seeing. But how does he see it? God tells him, behold, judgment is befalling the northern kingdoms. But to the prophet, it was just a boiling pot facing the north. But when God explains the house, he's telling him, actually, I'm sending judgment to the north of that nation. What am I trying to say? That some of you have received vision, but you don't know how to see. God has given you the answer of your ministry, your life, your family, your business. But it came like a pot. It came like a sycamore tree. And you did not carry the knowledge, the revelation of interpreting it. Yet you carry the Holy Ghost. And this is the problem. It's how you see Christ. Because if you see the Christ wrong, you'll see everything wrong. But if you see the Christ right as he is, so are we. This is love made perfect that we might have confidence on that day. We have the minds of Christ. We carry the very thoughts and the very feeling. How do you see him? Because how you see him, even as you see him, 
determines how you see things even as you see them. Listen. When, 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 when Pharaoh was persecuting the children of Israel, he thought that he was destroying them. When the children of Israel were in, the, in that turmoil, being persecuted, they thought that their end had come. When the writer, Moses, sees from the eye of God and how to see, he tells you the more they were afflicted, the more they increased. But he had to see the increase. The ones in affliction could not see the increase. But it took another man who had to see the way God sees. And then he says, no. The more they afflicted them, the more they multiply and grew. Are you hearing me? Slaves entered Egypt. They were made slaves, sorry. And they still became more successful than Egyptians. Because of that anointing. But it had to take a man of the spirit to see that multiplication. If you phone those Egyptians, not many had seen that multiplication because they don't know how to see. Some of the things you think are, are trouble, are bad, are sad. My goodness, I wish you, you, you learn how to see. When the Bible says that all things work together, is not a place of hope. It's not even a place of faith. It's a place of knowledge. Paul says we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Do you love him? Yes. Are you called according to his purpose? Yes. There is nothing in the world that should make you lose peace. send message and say, Apostle, I've prayed. I've listened to the sermons. I don't know why things are not working. How are you seeing? How are you seeing? You're in Uganda. Third world country. Oh, I wish I went to a first world country. Hush. All things work together for good. I want to show you a place if you see it then I will show you your destiny it's from where you see that's why when the man was thinking asked him from where did you you understand when Peter was thinking Jesus asked him from where did thou doubt which place were you there's a separate place where you could not have doubted there's a certain place where you could not have doubted there's a certain place where you could not have doubted I want to take you to a place and show it to you when you see it then there Abraham I will show you I'll cause you to yield your eyes and I'll tell you look north that's the difference between Lot and Abraham Lot followed a man into a place the man saw Lot never saw that place he just followed the man who saw the place 
the Lord said to Abraham, this is the place. He didn't tell him, he said to Abraham, Sarah and Lot. No, he said to Abraham, this is the place. Abraham saw the place. Lot stayed following the man who saw. No wonder he could choose the watered plains of Jordan because he did not know that Canaan was a revelation for the revelation. <laughs> Canaan was a vision for the vision. Canaan was a dream for the dream. Canaan was an answer for the answer. Get to your feet and we pray. Did, did I speak to somebody's heart? Now, let's leave a bit the Canaan area from where you see. Let's see Canaan first. Before we see what we're supposed to see. And I have blessed you. And I have made your name great. That's how we behold Christ. God is not going to bless you. He has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly presence in Christ. God is not going to increase you. He has increased you. How do you see Jesus? Before you see in Christ. How do you see Christ? How do you see the vision? For the vision. How do you get a revelation? For the revelation. How do you receive a dream? For the dream. That's the duality. Of our experiences. In the things we must see. Come on raise your hands and speak to God. I see the Lord I see the Lord Exalted high above the ocean For the peace Stand up. 
one start to receive it. Woo! Power! I see side on you. Start to receive it. Just start to receive it. Without a vision, the people cast restraint. light and give it understanding to the simple and you receive it tonight in Jesus name the message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International for more information contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com you can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.